Welcome to season six of the RAG podcast. Now, for those of you who don't know, the RAG stands for Recruitment Agency Growth. And this show has been around since early 2019. And every week, we are obsessed with finding out how the world's most successful and innovative recruitment agencies and their founders have got to where they are today. In season six, alongside the founder's story and the inside information of that business, I also want to focus on the reality of today's economy. There is so much noise about this inevitable recession that we find ourselves in right now. And where it's going to go, is it really having an impact on the recruitment sector? Are they seeing any change in job flow? Are they seeing any change in candidate control or activity? What is going on? I want to find out. So every single week, I want to forget the propaganda, forget the noise. I'm going to speak to a real life recruitment owner and find out what is going on in their business. I will bring it to you every single Wednesday from 12 o'clock across multiple platforms. Stay tuned. Hello, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the RAG Podcast. On this week's episode, I am featuring one of my own talks, okay? Last week, I was at the Birmingham Recruitment Agency Expo, where I filled a room of well over 200 recruitment professionals, and I discussed my thoughts and opinions on how LinkedIn is going to change over the next few years and what every recruiter should be doing now to make the most of their own opportunity before it does. So there's three simple things I believe you should be doing that seem to go down very, very well at the expo. We had a packed room. We had people asking questions for a long time afterwards, and um, we actually got kicked off the stage, which was quite fun. Now, annoyingly, after the expo, when I checked the audio, it wasn't clear enough. So I've re-recorded this session live in front of about 35 recruitment professionals earlier today as part of one of our Academy Taster sessions. So um, this is a, um, a Zoom recording, which is much clearer than the original stage recording, but it is the exact same in material, presentation slides, etc. cetera. Um, I really hope you enjoy this because ultimately, I think there's a lot of people out there that don't quite know what they're doing on LinkedIn. They spend a fortune. Most people I know spend one of the biggest spends in a recruitment businesses is on LinkedIn licenses. The average recruiter spends four hours a day and has a recruiter license, which I think is five, six thousand pounds a year. Over that, multiply that by your team, and it, you know it's a huge investment. And the training and support and understanding of what you can do on the platform every day to reach thousands of people and, and ultimately stand out from competition in your market is is non-existent in most businesses. So this is a taster. It's going to give you some really simple, practical tips that you can use to take straight back to your agency. So I hope you enjoy this session. Without further ado, three simple things that every recruiter should do to imp should implement before LinkedIn changes, okay? Um, so what that's going to cover is I want to discuss the rise of LinkedIn. LinkedIn has changed a lot. Um, I'm going to talk about the organic decline of Facebook and Instagram. Now, you might think, why are we talking about that? There's a reason. I'm going to look at what could happen on LinkedIn if uh, things... Things could progress in a way that I think they might. And then things you should do now to make sure, even if it does change, you're going to be ahead of the game. So the rise of LinkedIn. This is me in 2011. Let me know in the chat, how long have you been in recruitment? Let me know how long you've been in the, in the game. How many years, months, weeks have you been in recruitment? 20 years, says Darren. Straight in, bam. Um, this is 2011. So I'm about 11 years ago, May 2011. So just over 11 years ago that I got into the industry. Um, a lot of people say, so Hemish, you got in the same time. Lots of people, you know, a couple of years beyond. Um, 
if you remember, this was this was my setup, you know, the big chunky, um, big chunky phone. I had a big monitor, big, you know, it wasn't a laptop back then. I'm in a physical office and this is in the Melbourne CBD in Australia. And um, I remember getting, that was, a, you can see I'm getting signed into the the platform at Randstad and, and that was the day I launched my LinkedIn account. I'll never forget it. Um, and um, <laughs> Adam, that, nine years hired by a great guy. Cheers, mate. Um, and this is what, if you look at LinkedIn, since I joined LinkedIn, I was Q1 2011. So I was basically at the start of the journey when it's grown. So when I joined, there was about 64 million users on the platform going into 100. Now there's 822 million at the start of the year. They're predicted, sorry, let me go back. They're predicted to get to a billion users by the end of the year. A billion users. Now, if you remember LinkedIn back then, or even five years ago, would you agree in the chat? Just let me know yes or no that that you, you LinkedIn was very different when you started off using it. It was a place for jobs. It was a place for just articles and and really just I, I think it was a it was a glorified CRM. It was a place to just find candidates and clients that perhaps weren't on your on your CRM. Would you agree with that, guys? Would you agree that LinkedIn was a much different place? Um, it has now become, and, and you know, I think the, the rise of usage over the last 11 years has had a big impact. So, you know, I used to use it for just finding people, sending messages. That was it. Yes, Dean. It became more social. In 2017, when I launched Hoxo, I loved, um, I loved Instagram and YouTube. And I'll be honest, I thought that the rise of those platforms like Facebook and Instagram YouTube, but I just felt like it would happen on LinkedIn. I felt like it would change. Smartphones have had a huge impact. You are right, Glenn. Um, and when I launched it, I said, I want to change how I use LinkedIn, right? This is the first time I ever did something different on LinkedIn. Up until this point, this is 4th of April, 2017. Up until this point, all I'd ever done is post contract jobs, 500 pound a day and sent direct messages. And that was about it. So I'm just going to play this little video. Hopefully it'll play. Hi all, hope you're doing well. Um, as you know, I've been banging on for the last month or so about a new venture. Um, well, I'm proud to say I can finally talk about it, which is great. Um, so first of all, I just want to say thanks to all of my insurance and recruitment contacts. I've spent the last five years recruiting into the insurance market. It's been an unbelievable journey. I've now decided to leave that and launch my own business, which is known as Hoxo Media. Uh, right, Glenn says not sure about the cap. Yeah, well, I do love a flat cap, just maybe not when you stood in an office on a on a level. I'll just let you know that that video took me four weeks to create. Right, I was panic. Could just let me know in the chat. Could yes or no? Could you sense the fear in my voice a little bit? The wobble. They had a little bit of a wobble in the voice. Not maybe not as confident as I am now talking. You know, on screen. Um, I, I it took me four weeks to make that video, but I believed that you know what by by putting myself out there, I would become the kind of change that I thought would happen. I had no experience in marketing. I had no LinkedIn contacts in the recruitment market, but I decided I needed to produce content and I've pretty much invested in my brand every single day since then. So when it comes to Monday to Friday, on average, I've posted um, over the last five, nearly six years. And what I've seen since is with my activity, I've been able to, um, the hardest video is your first video. You're right, Darren. Because I've spent so much time on the platform since, I've seen the rise in users. I've noticed how it's gone from professional to really about networking, adding value, communities, 
becoming thought, you know, I don't really like the term thought leader, but, you know, showing you've got knowledge is, is really important. Um, and, and the big thing that's happened on LinkedIn is that you can get massive reach for free. So like Facebook and Instagram, and the platforms ultimately are about gaining attention, trying to get people to see you so they know who you are. What happened over the last few years on LinkedIn is, is there's been an unbelievable amount of free reach, knowledge sharing rather than thought leading. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that, Glenn. I call it, I call it thought contribution rather than uh, thought leadership. I don't like, I don't like the term, term thought leader because you don't get like a blue tick that, that, that says you're a leader. You just get it out there. Um, so this is an interesting stat though. Of LinkedIn's 880 million users, only 600 Mil, two, sorry, only 260 million users come to the platform once a month, okay? Of the platform users that come every single month, only 1% of those post content. So three, oh, just under 3 million people post, and they net the 9 billion impressions, views on the platform per month. So let's just break that down. 880 million LinkedIn registrations, only a quarter of that turns up every month, once a month, and only 1% of the quarter actually puts anything out there that nets 9 billion impressions a month. Just let that sink in. It's a hell of a lot, a hell of a lot of impressions, but it's incredible how limited the amount of people are really in terms of the amount of users on the platform. So many people don't do this. Just answer, please, yes or no. This room's a bit quiet. Come on, let's get a bit of engagement in here. Yes or no, would you think that over the last couple of years, everyone's talking on LinkedIn? Everyone's putting stuff out there. It feels like everyone's communicating on there. We've had a lot of yeses, a couple of noes. I hope this shows you that the, the answer is they're not. You see the people that do, of course, and there's, they are increasing without a doubt but it's 1% of a quarter. <laughs> so it's basically 0.25% of all users put stuff on LinkedIn, which is crazy. So exactly this, the stuff that, you know, the people that engage are getting, are getting the, they're getting all the views and they, like my stuff over the last year. So this time last year, I'd had 3.1 million views on LinkedIn. This year I've had 6.87 million views. I've had 45,000 likes opposed to 23,000 nine, nearly 10,000 comments. So all of this has grown in the last 12 months. And I'll track that using some technology software that we, uh, that we use. It just saves the whole messing about with, uh, with going into LinkedIn and adding it up, which we used to do. Um, but it just shows that LinkedIn, even over, even the more you use it, there's still a huge opportunity to, to, to personally get so much. Now, I'm, you might say you're not a recruiter anymore, so you can do it, but recruiters all over the world are doing this. Like one of my clients here, Kyle Winterbottom, he gets thousands of views every single day and he has been voted in the Data IQ 100 most influential people in data, not in recruitment, in data. So when he hits LinkedIn, if I was you, I'd go and follow these three people. Look at Kyle Winterbottom, look at Ryan Kelly and look at Fiona Glover. Kyle is a data recruiter. He gets C CTO roles and chief data officer roles called in by clients he doesn't even know now because he gets such a strong amount of views and engagement. 
in the data. He, he, all he does is share his thoughts and his knowledge in the data market. Ryan Kelly is a recruiter in the marketing space in Melbourne, Australia. He owns an agency, the six of them. They're the only business I know in the last year that have told me they've got too many candidates. They get inundated because they they get, he got 2.7 million views on content last week in the marketing space. So he's punching to the point where they are the, probably the most well-known recruiter in their space in Australia, yet there's only six of them. And Fiona Glover, she's only been in recruitment less than two, two years at this firm. She billed, I think it was over 600,000 or something last year. And most of this comes from her brand. And she puts out content that's really simple. Look, quick tip for junior developers. You know, it's got junior on your LinkedIn. Might be unpopular, but I don't think it's necessary. She's not writing like essays. She just shares little nuggets of information she gets from the phone. And it sticks. And she's able to turn that into business. Mike says, how do you track the conversion rate? Which conversion rate are you referring to, Mike? Break that down a little bit for me and I'll, uh, I'll explain it. So what's happened over the last couple of years is with this increasing amount of people on the platform and the amount of reach that is available, um, LinkedIn is copying, I believe, Twitter and Instagram. And it's made a move towards followers. Have you noticed, guys, that you've, you've, you've recently seen followers and connections? Historically, LinkedIn was only a place you could connect with people. So it was like friends on Facebook. Now, like Instagram and Twitter, you can follow people. Now, if you think about a following, it's really cool. LinkedIn has limited your connections. Just put in the chat, how many connections have you got? How many first three connections have you got? I'll answer your question in a minute, Mike. How many first three connections have you got? 1,600, 15,000, 3,500, 3,000, 4,000, 6,000. There's some big numbers, right? You are limited at 30,000, okay? You can't go beyond that. However, your following is unlimited. So there'll be people like Richard Branson and James Kahn and other celebrities on LinkedIn that'll have millions and millions of followers. You can have unlimited amount of followers, but you've got to think, why would anyone follow you if you're not creating content? LinkedIn wants to create a social network. They do not want a stealth platform that recruiters send DMs all day. That's not what they're looking for. They want people to converse, to engage, to laugh, to cry, to debate all on one platform. They want it to become the, the number one social media platform of choice. For me, it is already, but they want it to become a mainstream platform. So by introducing following as a way of engagement, they, they're basically saying you have to start adding value because no one is going to follow you if all you do is send DMs and post jobs. They won't. They might connect to you, but they won't follow you. A following is based on you finding people interesting, entertaining, engaging, just like you watch TV shows or you follow celebrities online because you find them interesting. You don't, you choose not to follow the people you're not interested in. It's the same thing. So again, remember only 1% of these monthly users are actually making the most of the opportunity, but it is changing. I've started to see over the last, even the last year, more and more people are getting on LinkedIn. Guys, yes or no, do you recognize these two people, Gary Vaynerchuk and Stephen Bartlett? Stephen is recently the, you know, the, the newest Dragon's Den in the UK. Two of the most famous people marketing on the planet. Up until 2020, these guys were not using LinkedIn. Well, they might have had a profile, but they weren't active. In the pandemic, they both have absolutely doubled down. Like you can see, 5 million followers and just under a million followers. They've doubled down. They're on it every day. They're engaging. They're posting. And that, to me, showed that this is now a platform that rivals Instagram and YouTube and Twitter for, for social engagement. 
It's not just a glorified job board anymore. Now, why I'm telling you this is I think we can look at the historic growth of Facebook and Instagram to predict what might happen on LinkedIn. So in 2014, Facebook's organic reach was booming. You could post, small businesses all used to live on Facebook, you know? They used to put posts out about, do you, yes or no, do you remember Facebook in the good old days when you could talk about things and people used to comment on your wall and it was it just became this place right and companies made a lot of money for free by just having a facebook presence and joining groups and things it was addictive you're right darren now you can't do that like small businesses can't do it um what happened was pages with big followings and big budgets have been able to keep growing um but those that are independent they they don't reach they reach between one and five percent of their followers organically now so when you post on Facebook, only a tiny percent of the, your connections and your followers will see it. What they've done is said, you've now got to buy every single eyeball you get. So you'll probably recognize whenever you go on Facebook or Instagram, there'll be adverts all the time coming up on your feed, coming up in the stories. You know, that's because billions of people post on Facebook every day. So it's become so competitive, you can't see anything organically. They then say, hey, if you spend money with us, you can choose who sees your content. And therefore, people, companies all over the world, individuals, brands, they're all spending money to get reach, to guarantee the reach of an audience that they would like to have. Um, last year, Meta, formerly Facebook, roughly made 117 billion US dollars on its ad platform, right? Mental. So this spend on adverts was nearly 120 billion. Um, and it also gives users an option now to, to, to customize their feed. So you can say, yes, I like this. No, I don't. So by, after a while, people's feeds become so generated by what they've already liked. If you've seen the social dilemma, you might understand it, but people's feeds become an echo chamber of the same thing, same people. So to try and break in organically is impossible. You have to spend money on ads. Instagram's done the same. It's throttled its organic reach back. The only people now who do well on Instagram are people with huge followings already that built it 10 years ago, nine years ago, or people who take their clothes off pretty much. <laughs> um, anyone who's, who's prepared to get semi-naked on the platform tends to grow an organic following. But apart from that, it's almost impossible. And it's a shame because there's 1.4 billion active users on the platform. You know, there's so much money to be made. But again, their ad revenue was 50 billion, just under 50 billion compared to 26 the year in 2020. So... It's getting crazy. You'd get unfollowers, Darren. <laughs> um, so people and pages are, are paying for attention because it's got tougher and tougher to compete on such a busy platform. So what could happen? When we break the billion users on LinkedIn, things will start to change. More users, more content, more competition, less reach. That's what will happen. Once more than 1% of the user, of user community start to get involved, it will slowly become more similar to the other platforms. Now, I'm not saying the free reach is going to die immediately. It's massive and it's available now. But what I believe is it will get more difficult. You know, I think it will get more and more tricky. I can tell you now, I posted a video in 2017 about going to the gym. I walked down the road in, in London, uh, down a high street in London, near London Bridge. And I spoke about, I had just come out of a meeting and this client said they wanted to hire a load of recruiters, but they wouldn't let their teams go to the gym at lunchtime, obviously pre-pandemic when teams were very old school. And I went on this rant and I basically ended it by saying like, you know, trust your people or don't hire them. And that was it. And I posted it on LinkedIn. I got a quarter of a million views in a day. 
I got a guy phoned me from Seattle. It was like, hey, Sean, your, your, your views are amazing, man. I completely buy into you. We need to talk. Uh, apologies for my awful American accent. But I ended up speaking to the guy. I know he never bought anything off me, which was a shame. But um, it was amazing how quickly my voice would be propelled around the world by just making a, an iPhone video. If I did the same thing now, which I do, still do those videos, we're probably talking about 25,000 views. We're probably talking about 10 times more reach five years, four or five years ago by doing the same thing. And that's because there's more and more people on the platform doing it. I'm interrupting today's episode to bring you a message from our sponsor, Vincere. Vincere is the all-in-one recruitment platform for the most innovative recruitment agencies on the planet. And they've put together a free CRM buyer's guide for you to read because so many recruitment leaders are looking to upgrade CRMs. But before you sign the contract, be sure to read the terms at least twice. There's so many common traps that you need to watch out for. So not understanding the pricing model is one that always comes up. Discounts limited to only the first year of a contract length is something that companies will throw. What are monthly contracts all about? Could this mean flexibility for the vendor to raise the price in the future? And how is your data hosted? Where is it? Is it anything outside your country? And could it mean compliance and legal issues for you down the line? So you will see the web address to get that right next to this episode. Wherever you're watching this episode, whether it's on LinkedIn, whether it's Apple, Spotify, YouTube, just look below, you'll see the link, click the link and get that free guide. You will not regret learning all of these hacks before making your decision and locking yourself into a new contract with a new supplier. So what I think could happen is quite soon, I'm not saying next year or next week, but soon I believe LinkedIn will start to catch on to monetizing personal content. So right now, if I just go to LinkedIn and show you, if I go to my homepage, look, I've got a personal post here. He's one of my clients actually doing pretty well. Um, and then you've got a company post promoted. This is a paid advert. Yeah. So company called Octo, I don't know, I've paid to hit my newsfeed as the CEO of Hoxo. When I scroll at the moment, I just see personal posts. Look, these are all free posts, all personal. I don't see any companies. The next company is promoted, Santander. So right now, LinkedIn strategies promote personal content for free because everyone spends money on their, on their licenses. Let me know in the chat. Are you on Recruiter, Sales Navigator? What do you use currently? Let me know in the chat. All the people that spend money on, uh, on licenses, they get free reach by, by just spending money on it. Companies don't, so they have to pay for the adverts. But I believe that in the not too distant future, personal accounts will start to become monetized. So they'll, they'll catch on that actually growing organically will get harder and harder and harder. So they will offer, they'll offer the opportunity for personal people to spend money to generate reach. And it'll be obviously like people who are in new, you know, new business positions, people who are in company owners of small businesses like recruitment, anyone who's trying to fast track their reach and get out there, I believe will will have to spend more money on the platform because that organic free reach won't last forever. It'll get more competitive and LinkedIn will spot that they only made $8 billion last year on ad revenue. Facebook made 120. So that, and they'll realize that Facebook, you know, it definitely comes down to the, the personal user. Now, you might need to create a company account, but they will make it harder and harder to try and monetize the individual. That's what I believe is going to happen. So how do you combat this? Well, there's only 1% of people doing it right now. 
And that's 1% of, it's probably 0.25%. So the sooner you start, the better chance you have of really benefiting from engaging your network. Because if you do build 30,000 followers, 40,000 followers in the next two, three years, and then it changes, you'll always have that following. Whereas right now, if you've got 3,000, 4,000, 5,000, and you never speak to them, and you just post jobs, you know, you're not, you're not, you're not engaging these people. Are they really followers? Are they just connections that you added two years ago when you were recruiting a role once, you know, you got to ask yourself, do they actually know who you are? Do they, are they engaged by you? Do they have any digital relationship with you? Because what you want to do is build it now before LinkedIn makes it harder and harder and more expensive. So the three things I think you should do from today, here's my free advice for you. Okay. The three things I'd ask you to do. So firstly, I've already asked you that, and I know the answer. You've got thousands each, right? So what you should be doing is growing this. If you're not at 30,000, and I don't think anyone on this call said they were, you should be trying to reach 30,000. Now, you're allowed 20 connections a day. Is a connection automatically? Yes, Glenn. That's how it works, up to 30,000. But people can follow you and not connect with you. So sometimes you, I've got more followers than connections because some people will just click follow. Maybe they've run out or whatever. Um Followers, obviously, as well, you don't need someone to accept you. You can follow someone without them saying no, right? So it's, it's, it's a good way of keeping an eye on people. So, Peter, I'm going to answer all this at the end, but a great question. So, guys, a question for you now. Do you connect with at least 100 people a week, 20 people a day at the moment? Do you try and grow by the amount that LinkedIn allows you to do organically? I think it will, if you have creator account, then you have to have a follow button. Yeah, when you create, when you turn creator mode on, you have a following. Guys, do you do it every day? Be honest. Do you actually do 20 a day minimum or 100 a week minimum? Be brutally honest with yourself. Some of you are saying, mm, not sure. I'm a recruiter, but I support recruiters. Okay, tomorrow, that's fine. Some weeks, yes. Some weeks, no. Maybe, but 100, maybe not 100, but a fair amount. Cool. Well, I would say go and get it. Like you've got one opportunity now. Every you you you, you don't you can't do two hundred in a week. See, every week it goes back to zero. You've got to get out there and do it. You've got to go out and keep connecting. Okay, keep adding the growth because and make sure they're the right people. They're the people that would genuinely become could become candidates and clients. You know, they genuinely are or or they're connected to the market you want to operate in. Accepting random requests won't benefit you stick to people that are relevant right so number one every day now when you do connect with someone do you currently write a message do you send a bespoke message every time all right try this then here's my advice well here's my question for you if, if yes or no do you tend to get messages from people do you get connections with a message sometimes where you can spot their automation straight away you sometimes see it and you're like, oh my God, I don't, that guy has not written that to me, right? All the time. So basically when you write a message, it will, if it's not highly personalized and relevant, instantly you're going to turn people off and people are going to judge you on the message, right? They're going to judge you on the message. Whereas if you don't write a message, what are people likely going to do first? Well, if, if I connect you today and I don't write a message, what's the first thing you're going to do? view my profile would you all agree so what what that that forces you to view my profile and make a decision based on me not whether or not i wrote the right message or not so my advice is unless you genuinely know someone and you've got a role for them or you've got something really specific for them 
Like you can say, I've met you at an event or I know someone who knows you or something specific. Drop it. Just connect, connect, connect. 20 a day. It takes about a minute and a half to do it if you do it like that. When you do know someone, write a message. When you've got a genuine reason, write the message. But I personally will drop the message now. And it is not, if anything, it's, it's impacted positively the amount of people that, are, that accept me because they're not judging me on the words that I choose at that time. And, and it is always going to be a little bit generic because you're doing it at pace, right? The second thing is engage with your network. How often do you actually give feedback and engagement to your network? How often do you actually write comments and ask questions and like people's content? How much time do you spend a day? How many posts do you think you engage with? Ask yourself that question. 30 minutes a day, Paula says. That's amazing. Not enough. Most people would honestly look deep inside and say, I don't do that a lot. No worries, Adam. Enjoy the recording. My advice is take 10 minutes a day and, and go out there and comment. When you comment, people always reply. People, Because what you're doing is you're challenging people in the open domain. You're asking them questions in front of other people. And you can quickly get on people's radar. If there's a client or a candidate who does post, get on there. Engage with it. You can start a conversation pretty quick. And if someone chooses to engage with you, always get back to them if you can. So connect with 20 people. Go out and engage with people, spend 10 minutes and then add value. Okay. How much genuine advice and support do you think you give on the phone on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the most one being the least, how much advice and free support do you give to people that you do not get paid for as a recruiter? How often are you giving people, you know, direction or playing the agony aunt or uncle, you know, without any agenda, without any financial reward? Now, you can take that and you can put the same advice on LinkedIn, okay? Go out and share it. You know, like if I just show you really briefly here, if I can just get back to my LinkedIn. Like I posted something last night. Now, it's not blown up the internet by any stretch, but it's got a few thousand views. It took me a minute to write. Look at this one here. Like it's not gone unbelievable, but 3,700 people. And I've wrote other people's content on LinkedIn makes me cringe, so I'm not going to bother posting. I've heard this so many times. I do understand that you might not like everything you see from others, but this does not mean that you have to follow the same strategy and certainly doesn't mean you shouldn't bother. It's like going to a restaurant and seeing everyone eating a meal you don't like. Surely you'd see if there's something on the menu you did like before leaving, right? Being authentic means being you. Let others be themselves, focus on your own business. Have you ever felt this way? People agreed with me. I've had messages about it already. So by sharing the same, and that is something I literally said to someone on the phone yesterday. So I was like, I'm just going to get it on LinkedIn. So by being useful, you know, you can take your voice. That, that, that was one call that then reached three and a half thousand people. Took me about 30 seconds to write it out a minute. <laughs> you know, three and a half thousand people. You can't reach that on the phone. You're never going to reach that in a year on the phone, probably. It reached, I reached it in 30 seconds. And that's, that's not a good engagement. I can get a million on some posts, right? It's not incredible engagement. But if you chip away at it every day and you get one, two, three, four thousand views a day over a year, you're going to get anywhere between a quarter of a million and a million views on your content, on your, on your profile, which is massive. It's absolutely massive. I like, I think it got being, being useful on LinkedIn, right? Just try and be useful. That's the number one thing. Be useful. So as a leader, you've got a proven network. I imagine that you've built over the years, right? You guys have got the most stories, the most gravitas, the most knowledge, the most history. 
And I reckon it's lying dormant. You're not using it. The more you share your own knowledge, the more you contribute back to the platform, the more value results you're going to get from it. So what happens after it? Someone asked before, Mike, I think it was, well, how do you track conversion? Well, the first thing that happens is you would get an easier and higher outbound, higher response rates. When people recognize you from LinkedIn and you DM them, they reply. The three recruiters I told you about before have such high response rates, it's insane because everyone knows them. So they say, they might even say, no, I'm not looking for a job. Thanks for reaching out. But people don't want to get on the bad side of these guys because they see them in the market every day and they, they see them as a credible source of information. You start to receive inbound business. People will message you with opportunity. If you keep talking about the market and offering value, people will be like, hey, Darren, hey, John, hey, Pete, hey, Mike, you know, I've seen you on LinkedIn. Could we have a chat? You know, more revenue. Now, how do you track it? You've got to sit there and Mike, you've got to sit there and look at your own placements effectively and just say, where did that come from? You know, where did I source that candidate or client? Did it come from LinkedIn? Did, did it, was it a DM that responded to? Was it a, did they comment on a post? Did I comment on their engagement? You will make more money if you do this, but you, you have to mentally prepare to track it. Okay, guys, I hope you enjoyed the session. Um, I'm sure you got some serious value in there. I, uh, I got lots and lots of questions live at the Real Expo, and also there was a few questions in there on the recording as well. Um, if you're sat there thinking, look, I would like to know more about what I can do here, we have a program which ultimately gives you the roadmap and the, the plan as to how to do this. Like, I re we remove the guesswork. Um, and we, we'd love to work with any recruiter or recruitment business that genuinely wants to stand out on LinkedIn and wants to be surrounded by like-minded people online, wants to have a plug into me and my team to understand how and what you can do to be like the people we're already working with. You know, how do you make more money and stand out in a crowded market? That is ultimately what it's about. If you're interested, there's a link to a, uh, a form to fill in. I'm going to put it attached to the show notes. If you just look below this episode, you will see a link, fill it in fill in the form and that will book a call in with me and my team. And we can then have a bespoke conversation with you and your recruitment business to see if our academy program is right for you ultimately and we're the right fit. Um, that'll take 30 to 60 minutes. And then we kick on a new program every eight weeks. So we've got a few slots left for our November, 2022 slot. Whenever you're listening to this though, you can guarantee that you'll be a maximum of eight weeks away from the next one. So it's well worth filling in the form and finding out if we can work together. I'll see you again next week um, for another episode of the RAG podcast. Now, in the meantime, you stay safe and I'll see you soon.